During the filming of this episode is when the cast and crew were informed that Gene Roddenberry died. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have much else to add to that. I just wanted to comment on that because it apparently impacted a lot of the, the, the cast and crew for obvious reasons and, in fact, kind of showed in some of their performances. It's interesting that this was a Troy-centric episode and Marina Sirtis was apparently specifically impacted by that. This is also a Joe Minoski script, and it shows. Uh, Minoski, as ever, being the concept guy. Basically doing an idea of a kid trying to cope with severe mental and emotional trauma by acclimating himself to data. That's the kind of thing that actually makes a lot of sense and is awesome. It's, it's a unique opportunity. I say that specifically because one of the things I feel that some of the best of Star Trek has always come out of is when they've taken the unique opportunities that this show at this time offers and done something with that. What I mean by that is any show can do a good character plot. Any show can do a good political plot. Any show can do a good concept plot. Not many shows can do science fiction plots, but only Voyager could do a specific episode about Seven and the impact of the former drones that she had helped assimilate and them being released and them confronting her. That's an episode that's really unique specifically to Voyager and their circumstances. And those kind of episodes tend to shine for me. Now, they're not the best. I mean, I like a good character episode, political episode, concept episode, etc., as much as anyone else. But this concept, you couldn't really do this for most of the rest of Star Trek. Uh, maybe with Spock. That's probably the closest equivalent. Otherwise, there's not really a lot of a direct parallel. Because Data presents a unique perspective into things and a unique piece on the board. Ah, I don't want to go with the chess metaphor. A unique tool in the kid of the writer to be able to use and have this kid play along. And of course, Spider himself is an excellent actor. And funnily enough, this is our second surprisingly good kid-related episode in TNG in a row. Huh. I hope that becomes a trend when we get to Rascals. Anyways, so... They mentioned that the Breen might have been behind this. This is actually our second reference to the Breen uh, ever, actually. And I point that out because it's, it's just kind of the continuing mythos of the brain. I've actually already mentioned this over in Deep Space Nine for when we finally see the brain for the first time. But I just wanted to point it out because this is like the developing myth of the brain, basically. Now, the kid's there. He's on the ship. The ship has just been devastated. He's been there. We're not even entirely certain how long. Under the debris, pinned, hurt, scared. And remember, at this point in time, he thinks he did it. He grabbed a console, and he thinks that what he did there caused all of this issue. Now, that's awful. That's a level of trauma that I, I'm not sure I can equate to in anything I've happened in my real life. He's also lost both his parents. That's another thing I like about this episode. The fact that the death of two effectively nameless characters, who we never even see, has such a significant impact that it matters. That the death of a red shirt actually matters rather than just, oh no, they, the, the lady died in, in theory and then we move on, you know. So I do like this usage of that. I also like how, of course, the kid immediately fixates to Data. Not only because Data is inhuman, but because Data quite personally and directly re rescued him. There's a lot of nice character stuff for Data in this episode, too. 
data, of course, doesn't understand emotions, but as I've said before, data is the kind of person who is both observant and has basically been building a very large file in how to interact with other people for the last several years, right? It's one of the reasons why some people will in insult some later data episodes by saying he's acting like a season one data. It's like all that development isn't there. Here, however, we do see that development. He is courteous. He is thoughtful. He manages to uh, react appropriately to this child in virtually every circumstance in a way to try and help coach him and move him forward. He doesn't push him too hard. He doesn't shut him down like it would have been too easy to. You know, being an android's horrible. He, he could have lied or made up whatever. Instead, he is just very forthright about everything, while at the same time not being honest to the point of blunt rudeness. It's a very nice touch. So the kid lies. Now, that's totally understandable. You know, oh, my God, we were attacked. It's the funniest part because, logically speaking, there's no way he'd get away with that lie. Enough analyses would determine that, no, there's no way in hell that, that this attack actually happened. And yet, of course, he lies. He's a kid who is terrified, who thinks he did it. It takes most of the episode for him to come to grips with that. I'll get... I'll, well, let's go ahead and address that now because there's a really great scene where it's him, Picard, Troy, and Data. And they basically say, it, you, it wasn't an attack. No, it wasn't an attack. No, it wasn't an attack. No! And he gets more and more distraught until it is Data who says, Androids do not lie. And the kid does a surprisingly good job of portraying someone who is effectively breaking down. As he admits, it was me. I did it. And you can sense the concern in both Picard and Troy's voices as they try to talk him through what happened. And the relief when they realize what he says. Because he didn't do it. Because he couldn't have done it. Because a rule suddenly exists that has never come up before and will never come up again where you have to have access to a panel to start using it. Which actually makes perfect sense, really, if I'm being honest. But that, it really, that there's several other instances and several other episodes where that would make a lot of sense for that to be a thing to prevent, oh, I don't know, Ferengi from taking over the bridge. Just to name one example right off the top of my head. But you know, whatever. The point being, point being, I'm willing to let it go. Because it's sense-making and because of the impact of the scene. It couldn't have been you. Imagine the relief. Because for a moment, they probably were thinking, oh, God, what did he do to do this? And, and you just imagine Troy's thoughts. Now she has to console someone who has killed his own parents on accident, of course. But no, he didn't do it. This, of course, leads immediately into the resolution of the mystery, which is actually quite logical for Minoski, given the fact that he usually likes to just go, whoo, with this kind of thing. Instead, it's very simple. They pour more energy into the system, which reflects more energy back at them. A very linear one-to-one -one ratio. In fact, the episode portrays that very smoothly throughout the episode. Every single time they raise those shields higher and higher, the reaction is immediately stronger and stronger throughout the course of it. So it's all one-to-one. -one. Anyways. There's a bit where Troy's there and Crusher is there. And Crusher doesn't get much screen time in this episode, but she gets a good scene where she basically, she turns to Troy and says, I don't envy you. And I'm going ha to want him in here later, but, uh, you know, do what you can. I like that scene, because after all, Crusher knows what it's like to try and take care of a child who's lost his parent. Just a little acknowledgement there, which I liked. Jordy also has a very human moment in this episode, where he admits to, to Data about a situation he was in. Now, this is actually apparently written for the next episode, not this one. But it's still smooth, slightly smoothed into the theme of this episode. Being young and not being capable of... of I guess the word I want to use is processing. Not being capable of processing what's happening. 
the fire that Jordy was stuck in, and that would eventually lead to some severe, serious issues, which, you know, he had to work through. That's actually going to come up in the future, believe it or not, but we'll get there when we get there. So, Troy says she can't tell what he's reading. I told you it'd be a thing. Like, I just kind of side, side, sideways predicted this. But as episodes continue to go, I am getting more and more convinced that Troy shouldn't have gotten her powers back in the loss. Because this is yet another episode in which her psychological training is on full display and her mental powers are just jammed for whatever reason. Now, yes, you can explain that by saying that his emotions are so completely destroyed right now that she is basically getting the equivalent of static. Sure. But once again, I feel like this is an episode where if her, her scanning abilities were just gone completely, it wouldn't. It, not only would it not detract from the episode, it would actually elevate it in my mind. Because instead of getting some random line about, yeah, I can't read him, instead you could replace that with a line, I wish I could read him. I wish I could try to help him through it, but we're going to have to do this the old-fashioned way, Data. We're going to have to be very careful and very cautious. And he's going to need you to get through this. You know, I, I feel that would have added more to the episode, in my opinion. It's not like Marina Sirtis doesn't know how to act and do this kind of a role. She's actually... You notice she's been given more and more stuff to do this season, by the way. Uh, from what I understand, this is conjecture. Sirtis herself was actually pushing for that since she felt she just didn't have enough screen time to really play a role, right? Which would eventually culminate in uh, Face of the Enemy, I believe. Something like that, which I don't remember if it's season 5 or season 6. But either way, it is good to see her being able to actually do stuff. So then the episode manages to approach itself very smartly. I talked last time about the A-B plot thing. There are some episodes where the A plot and the B plot are so tightly woven that one could argue they are not an A plot and a B plot, that they are a singular plot. Uh, Brennan Braga, I mentioned this last time, Brennan Braga brought up Darmok. I would argue very strongly that the A-plot and the B-plot were basically the same plot in Darmok, that they were so tightly woven that you couldn't really extricate either from each other. I would argue the same in this episode. The mystery to solve what happened to that ship is the mystery of trying to help this boy, and vice versa, helping the boy to help unsolve the ship. And the fact that Picard literally orders Data to assist in this matter, and Troy suggests and encourages him to continue with this whole hero worship thing, is all very logical. And I do like that. It would have been so easy for the episode to do the more or less typical thing of saying, no, you must not do this. Rather, this is being approached very smartly. This is nothing that would be bad long term. But as an immediate coping mechanism is something that this boy needs. That Timothy needs to be able to do something to be able to process what he's going through. And if it means he has to run around pretending he's an android, then that's what it means. And I like the, the competency of that, but also the believability of that. I actually have a feeling that some people are going to very much disagree with me on this. And that's valid, because you know, there's no one correct way to deal with psychological trauma. But I think this is better than most Hollywood would do in general. Just my opinion. And I wanted to give praise for that. So, <laughs> I'm looking at my notes here. Um, androids do not need to eat. This is a really, really good scene. It actually made me laugh. It, re it legitimately made me laugh. When, uh, would you like to eat? Troy's there, and Troy's going with it. You know, you're an android, sure. And he says, androids do not need to eat. And then immediately he sees this, like, ice cream sundae going by him. However... <laughs> It's a very, very human, very kid moment, which I thought was awesome. He mentions, uh, 
he mentions nightmares. He mentions, he paints horrible, devastating things. That's another thing I like about the episode. It doesn't call too much attention to that. And at no point does anyone push him to really explain what he's doing. It's just him, once again, trying to process what he's been going through. Dreams being most commonly described as the, the subconscious of your mind trying to digest whatever it's been going through. And, of course, painting. Just, just letting the art flow through the hand, as the old saying goes, in order to try and showcase what he's feeling or thinking. He insists, of course, it's just a painting, and data doesn't push that matter. But we can look at that and see the amount of violence that is currently still raging through him, especially since at that point in time, he still thinks he did it. It's good stuff. It's all background stuff, quiet stuff, but it's good stuff. I, I, always, I always give praise to these kind of details. And then there's a really awesome scene between Data and Timothy. They talk about the pluses and downsides of being an android. You know, I, I would gladly give up the... I, I would gladly be capable of experiencing the bad to know what my dessert tastes like. Um, that is a very classic argument, a very, 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 very old philosophical argument. Do you take the good with the bad? Or I guess actually more actually, do you take the bad with the good? Or do you reject the bad and the good? This is, a, this is a philosophical quandary that goes back at least to the B.C. era. And we have been debating it and arguing it for basically all of human society. Data, of course, dictates the side he's on. I would rather have the good and the bad. But this, of course, gives the kid a perspective, something that never really occurred to him before. Since, obviously, the main impetus, aside from simple emulation and fear, that he decided to emulate Data is because Data doesn't have the bad or the good. Well, to be more accurate, Data doesn't have the bad. It is only in this scene that he realizes that he is also absent the good as a consequence. And there's also a very awesome line. It almost sounds like you don't want to be an android. Do you not want to be an android? And, and Data's response is, I am an android. I like that. Because that right there is, is Data, in a nutshell. Data does not deal with what might be's or, might, or could be's, but rather but what are's. Now, that's not to say he's not speculative. It's not even to say he's not creative. But for Data, let me put it to you this way. I know this is a weird analogy, and I am making this up, so don't read too much into this. But let's say for a moment, I'll use myself as an example, because I'm just making this up. Let's say I really wish I was, I don't know, an Azimdi. <laughs> sure. And I, and I just find myself really fascinated by what it would be like and, and actually wanting it. Not just like an idle fantasy, but like if it was something that I legitimately craved, that I yearned for, that I just wish I could have. How many fiction has there, how much fiction has there been over the years, both fantasy and sci-fi, where someone has wanted to be something else? And that's been their driving motivation. Sometimes the villain, sometimes neutral, sometimes the good guy. I have at last converted myself to this AI and now I am free from my fleshy body, right? But Data doesn't do that. Because Data attends to reality. And the reality is, he is an android. So he doesn't think what it would be like if he wasn't an android. He thinks, I am an android, and then proceeds with thought. And it's a wonderful perspective there. It, it, it's, I know you're, you think, I, I probably sound like I'm splitting hairs here, and I do apologize. But there is a gradient difference there, a variance difference between, I wish I was something else, and I am this and wish I could taste my dessert. It, it's a wonderful perspective on the character. So the kid admits it. I kind of already covered that. And he's like, oh my gosh. And there's a bit where the kid's like, that's what they kept saying, raise shields, raise shields, and it kept shaking more and more. Data, smartly, pays attention. 
and immediately goes and starts scanning you know, the, the, the login. Now, I like this. Data has a theory, but doesn't want to risk the ship's safety on a theory. Instead, he does everything in his power to test it, and he does this whole thing on the ball where cook as he's trying to, to figure out some kind of proof for his theory. Then he turns to Picard and says, Captain, drop the shields. And he says it very adamantly. The one and only thing I don't like about that scene is it's like a full six seconds before Picard does it. Riker's immediate reaction, that's suicide, Data's rejoinder. Just to make sure that no one misheard him, Captain dropped the shields. I would have loved it if Picard had immediately, like, one look up and then drop the shields. Just bam, just like that. That would have been awesome. You know, the trust in, the trust in Lieutenant Commander Data. Instead, he hesitates, whatever. So then the kid, there's a really, again, there's a really great scene where we see him, we see Timothy, and he's not happy. And that's awesome. Because he shouldn't be. His parents are dead. His ship was destroyed. And, well, his life has just been turned completely upside down. And worse. He shouldn't be happy. But the fact that he is now accepting and embracing the reality of his situation and moving forward is, as Troy says, a good sign. And then, of course, you know, he says, can, you know, Data, can we still hang out a little bit? And Data's like, yeah, of course. You know, it, it, it's good stuff, is what I'm trying to say. Very human. It's a shame we'll never see this guy again because screw continuity. I hope you've enjoyed my thoughts on this one, guys. I will see... Oh, hang on. I can't do it like Spiner does it. I'll see you next time, guys.